Hello, welcome to another Riot Act Rioters Review. This is the Rioters Review. My name is Stephen Hill. This <sighs> is Renfrey Edmund. Interesting delivery, though. It's, it is the Rioters Review. It's a fact. No, I mean, I don't. I just uh, the delivery, the manner in which you were saying it, I thought what, was interesting. What's wrong with that? This is very monotone to begin with. You're usually very good with this sort of thing. It's absolutely fine. You're tired. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> What are you talking about? Well, uh, it's not the only thing we're going to be fighting about today, is it, Steve? Probably not. Probably not. Um, Your monotone delivery. Mm, thank you very much if you have contributed to our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. I appreciate that. Renfrey appreciates that. Don't I do. You? I absolutely do, yes. Good. Thank you. If you have done that, uh, if you're hearing this when it first comes out, then this is our sort of... You know, our, our pat on the back to you for doing that and um, our way of saying thank you. If, by some freak of nature, this is eight, nine months after this was recorded mm. um, and World War Three has happened, which mm-hmm. might, will might happen, mm-hmm. um, uh, and you're having to listen to this in a bunker somewhere, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, you should have gone over and done it when you had to pay for it rather than waiting for it to be free. Yeah, when you were happy. Yeah. Can't enjoy this while all that devastation's <laughs> going on, can you? It's a nightmare. Uh, anyway, um, if you you know if you want to suggest a record for me and Renfrew to talk about, that's a good way uh, um, of of getting your suggestions heard is by actually paying for it. It's the only way that we'll the actually listen. Yeah, it's actually the only way. <laughs> the best way, the best way, and the only way. Occasionally, um, people tweet us suggestions, and I, I go, "We just do it on the Patreon page." This episode comes from a suggestion by it just says miles just says miles here don't know if that's a typo on our part Maybe, no 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 it said it said miles miles yeah, yeah it just doesn't yeah it doesn't have a second Thanks, name miles, um for your contribution we appreciate i mean that. i can get away with that because if people are like remfrey they're not like well which remfrey yeah I, I mean he might be the only miles that in his sort of close vicinity there are other Mileses though there's the um Miles there's Davis. Miles Davis. There's the um, fox from Sonic. There's two yeah. tails. That's tails, isn't it? Miles. Well, I think he's Miles in Japan, but tails in the UK, something like that. Right. I'm quite arrogant of you to think that, well, I'm the only, like, you're Madonna. Do you know what I mean? I think I'm I am Madonna. Rem- <laughs> Renfrey. Have you seen Beyonce, me in that cone bar? Yeah. Maradona. <laughs> Look, Hello. I have gone down to the British Library. And I've done research, and there are no first name Renfries apart from me that I can see because Renfries actually a surname. Do you know this? No. Renfries a surname, but my mother, in all her wisdom, God rest her soul, um, <laughs> um, bought a Cornish book of names, not realizing that the front half was four names and the second half was surnames. Oh, that's confusing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, she picked out Renfrew. She's like, oh, I like that, but didn't realise it was a surname. So hence, I think I am the only Renfrew. Amazing. But, well, yeah. there you go. Miles, Renfrew clearly just proven how much better he is than you. But <laughs> we appreciate your um, Thanks for contribution <laughs> anyway. You have suggested... Miles, Renfrew, Beyonce, Madonna. Yeah. Yep. Neurotic, sorry, no, neutral milk hotel uh, <laughs> in the aeroplane over the sea. A record which came out in 1998, the 10th of February. February the 10th, yeah. 1998. Um, It's the second album by Neutral Milk Hotel. Um, 
and is hugely influential in many, many ways. Very much so. But it was a record that I think at the time of it was of its release, it was pretty. I think it was met with sort of middling reviews. Rolling Stone gave it three out of five. Um, but then a few years later, they redid their review and gave it four and a half. Um, when Pitchfork did their best albums of the 90s at the end of 1999, it reached 85. Um, but then they did another best album of the 90s uh, list in 2003, and it went up to fourth best album of the 90s. The That's mad. first, second and third, respectively, were Radiohead's OK Computer, My Bloody Valentine's Loveless, and The Flaming Lips' The Soft Bulletin. What a hipster list that is yes well it's pitchfork isn't it yeah yeah um and they're uh, good records don't get me wrong yeah no they are yeah 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 all three of those are great records but um in 2008 slate leaned heavily into the mythology eagerly dubbing mangum uh jeff uh, this is jeff mangum who's the um uh sort of lead singer and main main person behind uh neutral milk hotel uh the salinger of indie rock as in J.D. Salinger, catcher mm-hmm. of the Rye frame. Um, in 2014, Salinger said that airplane feels like a body of mythic, feels like a body of mythic experience animated by some original energy from before the common era. Whoever or whatever authored the album, authored the album, feels as remote in time and space as the Big Bang and as omnipresent. Bloody hell! I mean, I don't even remember this record coming out. No, I don't think many people would have done at the time. I, and I, 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 well, to give you an idea, Merge Records, who were the record label, they manufactured seven thousand copies of the album. Yeah. I think it was around five thousand five hundred on CD and fifteen hundred on vinyl, because obviously vinyl was not really a thing in ninety-eight. Yeah. Um, and you know, as I said, received mainly lukewarm reviews. Mm-hmm. Um. It currently sits at around 300,000 units sold. It's not a huge amount, is it? Well, it's not. It's not in terms of the massive, 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 massive records. And this is very much considered a cult classic. Um, But I think it is massive for a record which got an initial run of 7,000. To go from 7,000 to 300,000, that is mad. That's pretty amazing, yeah. Um. Describing Neutral Milk Hotel is quite tricky, but I have tried. And I think if Weezer had been primarily influenced by Bob Dylan as opposed to the Beach Boys, it might have come out sounding a little bit like Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah. Can you see that? I can see that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, this is a funny one, this Renfrey. I mean, I said just before we started recording, you're going to be talking. I mean, I even got my hummus and cucumber sat next to me because I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to have a lot to say mm. in this review because um, I only really became aware of this record when the art, through the artwork more than anything. The artwork's amazing. Yeah, the artwork's great. It's got a kind of a melancholy and infinite sadness yeah, style absolutely. thing to it. And I kept seeing it in record shops and I was like, I don't know what that is. And I just assumed it was some, I mean, it's probably about 2005, maybe 2006. I sort of started noticing it over and over again. And I was like, 
what is this some new album is this like mm. some new band that I've never heard of before literally never heard never never heard of it before and then uh, I didn't even listen to it like I was just like oh I don't even know what that is but I kept seeing that artwork and it wasn't until a few years ago that my friend Dave Richardson who I thought actually suggested this who actually is a patron so hopefully he gets to hear this um, was talking to me and we were saying like what is the best album ever made and he said this. Oh, wow. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Okay. And then he showed me the art and I went, oh, that. Mm. That with the artwork, the thing with the artwork. And then I went and listened to it. And that was so I probably listened to it for the first time about four years ago. Okay. And I've listened to it a bunch of times since. And I'm really struggling with it. Why? I don't know. I think maybe stuff has come out since that I'm so familiar with that mm. has clearly influenced it so much. Oh, like, the other the other way around. You mean you mean Neutral Milk Hotel has influenced? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. clearly influenced. Stuff has come out that has been influenced by it so much that I felt like I was just like, oh, it's another one of those sort of albums. You know, um, Arc the, like Funeral by Arcade Fire, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. I think is not, a million miles away from sounding like this in parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's been a lot of sort of lo-fi in the, the kind of the rise of lo-fi emo indie in the sort of mid noughties. Um, I can clearly see why this would be a massive sort of album for a lot of bands who yeah. were doing that thing. And an album which came way before. Way before. I yeah, mean, yeah, this was not fashionable in 1998 no, not at, at all. all. Not at all. And you couldn't ever, like, when I think back to what was going on in 1998, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, could, I mean, even putting this up against something like, uh, let's think of a band who critically acclaimed but never really felt massive. Um, pavement? Okay. Yeah. Someone like Pavement. Mm-hmm. Pavement's quite a good chat, really, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because Pavement mm-hmm. are low. You know, were the kings of the lo-fi thing. Mm-hmm. Never really felt like Pavement had a huge mainstream smash hit, or were yeah. you know responsible? Were, were part of a movement that was very zeitgeisty during the the nineties, either in America or here. You know, while there was new metal and pop punk and the kind of dregs of grunge, and over here it was Britpop, and then you know the sort of uh, the the big beat Ibiza music was kind of they were the zeitgeist the, the more dominant genres and mm-hmm. Pavement never really felt like a very dominant thing but so many people were like we're influenced by that we're influenced by that we're influenced by that um, but I think even Pavement feel far more recognisable as a something that <laughs> like I listen to this and I, I don't even believe associate it as a 90s album maybe it's because when I listen to it but I, I, I look, I listen to it and I go, this doesn't even sound like an album from the nineties. Like as someone who is so fucking, not just au fait, but like obsessively goes, oh, the nineties, what a great time! Mm. I don't even, this doesn't even feel like a nineties album to me at all. I think it sounds timeless, personally, and I think mm. that's down to the lo-fi quality of it. Um, and I think that's that was the really smart move, making it a very kind of lo-fi sort of recording. Um, Because it sounds like it could have been recorded more or less at any time. I mean, it has tropes that 
I, I think this, you mentioned Arcade Fire and I absolutely concur with that 100%. But I think this has had a massively profound effect on this kind of second wave of intelligent emo, I would call it. Um, and I am talking about bands like Me Without You, The World's a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die, The Hotelier. Um, it feels like all of those bands have taken this as their blueprint and then gone out and expanded it. The reason I say that is because, I mean, something with Nutrimilk Hotel is the sheer kind of, um, the sheer amount of instruments that they use and the, like, their palette is so broad um, and they use all sorts of really odd instruments that you would not find on other albums. Um, so I'm just trying to find. I mean, just while you're doing that, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I was like, I've never really heard like bassoons and you know woodwind instruments, yeah. from kind of '90s records. Like that, that was felt like something that went away completely. You know, brass sections. Yeah, there's shitloads of brass on it, isn't there? Yeah, um, there is a, a a singing saw on the title track which is kind of, well, how do you describe it? It's a saw which you sort of play with a bow, really. Um, what? I've never even heard of that before. Well, there you go. Looking up, singing saw. It's very exciting. There's a, a zanzithophone. I don't know what that is. There are Eulean pipes. I don't know what those are either. You know, there are some really weird out there odd instruments on this record. And um, they were encouraged early on. They've got sort of a traditional rock or indie guitar setup, um, as in, you know, bass, drums, guitar, vocals. But then they're encouraged very early on to go out and try and play new, weird, wonderful instruments. And what I really, I think something that's really awesome with this record personally, so I adore this record. I think it's wonderful. Um, and... Um, it never feels like those instruments have just been thrown in for the sake of it. They always feel like a really necessary part of the song. Um, and it makes for, I think, those odd sounds and the combination of those odd sounds and Mangum's lyrics, which are really esoteric and really strange, give it a sort of dark fairy tale Alice in Wonderland style quality to the album. Was he religious at all? No. Mm. That's interesting. <laughs> um, there is this kind of... Um, I love you, Jesus Yeah, I mean, Christ. there's a kind of evangelical quality to this record. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. That feels like... I think maybe that was something that I was always like, it's a bit wishy-washy, the whole kind of... It just feels quite... It's unusual to find a kind of... Uh, I mean, the Flaming Lips did it as well a little bit, but that, yeah, I, I, I can't really explain it any better than kind of evangelical. I think... Pray, it feels like in praise of... I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that influence actually came from European folk, which is steeped in a lot of um, religious kind of music. So that's probably why you equate it with religious stuff. Um, yeah, apparently um, Mangan was asked about the Jesus Christ line in uh, King of the Carrot Tops Part 2. 
um, where he just sings I love you Jesus Christ over and over again and was asked if he was religious and he's like not particularly just felt like a cool thing to say and I think he he has a very um, he has a really unique esoterism esoterism that'll do uh, <laughs> um, which as I say has this kind of fairy tale Alice in Wonderland style but mixed with um a loss of innocence which i think is what this album is predominantly about and i think it captures in a really weird esoteric way that period where you start growing up and realizing for example the first time you realize oh wait a minute my parents don't know everything or i don't know the first time you're heartbroken or that that period of losing innocence, probably between the age of, I don't know, well, it's going to be like teen, teenagehood, isn't it? And I think it just captures that, but in a really beguiling and odd fairy tale-like way. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually... Saying that, I mean, one of the artists that it most reminds me of, from mm-hmm. especially from that period, um, we've only we've spoken about him on this podcast a little bit before, is Daniel Johnston. Yes. And Daniel Johnston was, you know... Someone, Certainly the lo-fi nature of it, yeah. Yeah, and there's something about the way that it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily all have to be uh, massively in tune, and it feels all very, very, yeah, very raw, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Johnston does that, and Daniel Johnston also writes fairly what you know he has a, a kind of a very a, i guess a sparse poetry mm-hmm, to, his, mm-hmm, to his lyrics mm-hmm. so i think this has got a bit of as well where it is almost um there's sort of genius in the simplicity um i half agree with that i think i'm talking about daniel johnson really oh sorry this sorry so right, much. Right, right. but i think yeah i mean there's obviously there's there's probably a lot more to this record but it does feel like um kind of deliberately because there's nothing to say. This record's simple. It's obviously not. Absolutely, it's absolutely not. Obviously, no. Not. But it doesn't feel like um, it's that difficult to listen to. If you know what I mean. No, no. It's a perfectly pleasant, easy enough listen, and there's very few moments that bring you out of that. And it weirdly to me, I always thought like, well, the one thing that I I do think is cool about it, it does feel like it kind of comes together quite easily. Do you know what I mean? Like some records you listen to that are difficult, and you go, "Well, that's quite difficult." Mm. But I think you kind of. I've never had much of a different reaction to it, no matter how many times I listen to really? it. Really? Okay, that's yeah. really interesting because I feel differently about it. Yeah, over have felt quite differently about it over the years. Yeah, um, I, you know, maybe there's just something that I'm not grasping onto that there is. I, I don't really know, but anyway, back to, like Daniel Johnston. Daniel Johnston. Um, yeah, there, there's, there. Obviously, he was. Um, how do I put this in a quite sensitive way? He was, he had a sort of childlike mind. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, um, well, yeah, he, he had the sort of the mental age of somebody much younger than him. Mm. And, um, and I think that kind of comes through in his, in that comes through in his music a lot. I think, um, I wouldn't say, it's the same with Neutral Milk Hotel, but there is definitely, like you say, something about getting hold of those teenage years. There's something just about the feel of this record. Yeah. And it's not like, I don't know, I'm trying to search for what it is that 
that it's never going to click with me. I don't think it, that it's too twee because that was my initial thing. I was like, it's very twee, this mm, mm. It's very twee. But I don't think that's really that much of a problem per se. I don't know. But I think all the things you're saying about it is correct. Mm. It's just, it's never, ever got, I've never found myself wanting to go back to it. It's undoubtedly a record which people who love it, love it. And, but there are quite a lot of people who just really do not get it. And I suppose this is quite, it's quite good that we're doing this because we have one person who thinks one way and another person who thinks the other. But um, there's an, you know, there's been quite a lot of think pieces written on it where, where, where people have been like, what is the deal with neutral milk hotel? You know, um, I just think that unique childlike quality that you're talking about. I think there is some of that in, present in neutral milk hotel but it's also kind of dashed with quite um sometimes pretty out there lyrics which are quite dark or quite sickly almost or very uncomfortable to listen to so like the album starts with you were the king of carrot flowers and how you built a tower tumbling through the trees and holy rattlesnakes that fell all around your feet so far, so fairy tale. Very nice, very poetic. That's all lovely and bloody bloody blah. But then, I mean, there are songs later on. Um, Sweet communist, the communist daughter, standing on the seaweed water, semen stains the mountaintops. And it's like, oh. <laughs> oh. Or, you know, your father made fetuses with fresh-licking ladies while you and your mother were asleep in the trailer park thunderous sparks from the dark of the stadiums the music and medicine you needed for comforting so make all your fat fleshy fingers to moving and pluck all your silly strings and bend all your notes for me and soft silly music is meaningful magical the movements were beautiful all in your ovaries all of them milking with green fleshy flowers while powerful pistons with sugary sweet machines smelling of semen there we go all under the garden was all you were needing when you still believed in me well yeah i mean i have to say the whole kind of dad shagging someone while you're asleep bit i do remember hearing that and going oh where's that coming yeah yeah yeah. it's very esoteric and odd but i don't feel like sometimes esotericism you're kind of like but there's no there's nothing's being said here i don't feel like that's the case i'm not going to pretend that i know what a lot of these songs are about because i don't i have no idea i haven't well i have vague vague kind of theories but I, I i don't know for sure but i'm absolutely convinced that uh mangum knows exactly what they're about but mm. they're just dressed up in this really lewis carroll-esque way fantasy sort of way which i i just really like i mean alice in wonderland is actually fun remfrey fact one of my favorite books of all time so um although i prefer alice looking through the alice through the looking glass but um and I just love that sort of, it's almost like an A.A. Milne type thing as well. Winnie the Pooh kind of, it's just, it's just fairy tale like is the best way that I can put it. Yeah. But there is a darkness there as well. Do you know that um, a lot of this album is influenced by the Diary of Anne Frank? I was about to ask you that, that one of the things that I read was that um, it was massively influenced by the Diary of Anne Frank. Now, I, I can't even begin to pretend like I have, would would have got that in a million years um i didn't know it for several years um i think it feeds into again that theme of the loss of innocence um if you mm. consider i don't know if you've read the diary of Anne frank well i i know what happens at the end 
<laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've been to Anne Frank's house actually yeah. in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. Were you was... like, making a ra- <laughs> went up and made a racket. Like, Hello, was... Anne. You coming out? It was very sobering, actually. I think you're fine, Steve. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, too many people there. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the Anne Frank story is like a classic uh, loss of innocence, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's a teenage. I mean, I think it follows her from the age of 11 to 14 or something like that. Mm. And there's an experience in that book where she like she has her the she writes about her first sort of sexual encounter and things like that. I I think Anne Frank is just used as a sort of uh, a way to a way to embody this this sort of loss of innocence. Yeah. I think I think that's where the influence comes from. Um I think there's almost Sergeant Pepper quality to this album. Sergeant Pepper goes emo. I have heard the Sergeant Pepper um, comparisons a lot, okay. and I don't think they're inaccurate. Right. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they're inaccurate. I don't think that's a like you know I, I can I can definitely see that. I think Sergeant Pepper's. Uh, Sergeant Pepper's more, a lot more fun than this, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oof. Lyrically, yes. Musically, I don't know. There's, mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it probably is. I think this has got. <laughs> it's gonna annoy people who read Q magazine. I think this potentially has more depth than Sergeant Pepper's. Certainly lyrically. Mm. Well, yeah, almost I mean, or, actually fuck that definitely lyrically musically i think there's an argument for it more depth hmm mm. more shit going on in it mm. i don't know about that i mean I'm, I'm i'm less confident on on the musically part but lyrically Definitely, I think there's a lot. Yeah, more you depth. know, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, exactly. I think when I'm know, Sergeant Pepper's a laugh in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. Oh. This is less obviously fun. Yeah, but you know, I like dark stuff. No, like no, mate, I'm not having to go it. Yeah, I do. I'm just that is that is a purely an observation made without any kind of uh, sort of um, finger pointing. Or, yeah you know judgment whatsoever but it's, just... but it's dark in the manner that like a a, a circus can be dark mm. or a, or a dance macabre or that I kind of thing necessarily wouldn't even say when i was saying that i wouldn't even necessarily have said oh it's dark do you know what i mean i think it's um it's just it feels a little bit more uh austere like it, yeah I mean, they're serious rather than even than dark Definitely think there are dark moments on it, but Probably I think there are. I mean, yeah, well, there are. I yeah, think you've you read need out to, a couple, but like, you really need to listen. Like, you, you, if if you if you had just had it on in the background, you wouldn't see any darkness in this album at all. But I think I think some of it is really. Dark. I mean, there's a lot of mentions of semen. Mm. Is that your issue with it? No, 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 <laughs> no, dude. I I love semen. I love it. Um. Yeah, talking about David Seaman. This came out just after England had been knocked out of the '98 World Cup, so 
I assumed he was talking about <laughs> David Seaman. I'm sure he said something about Paul Merson halfway through as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, the concept album about Sol Campbell's disallowed goal against Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> do you find this album cloying? Do you do you actually not like it, or are you indifferent to it? I'm fairly indifferent to it. Okay, so I, I, so you don't you don't hate it? No, no, I don't hate it. No, no, I don't hate it. And you I, you see merit in it? I definitely see merit in it. I think it's it's one of those ones where I'm trying to think of another record which I know is good, but just does not move me in any way. That's how I feel about it. I listen to it and I go, oh right, okay, cool. There's a lot of brass in the section. There's a lot of weird stuff in it. Like it's actually a very uh-huh. you know a very interesting choice to make something so lo-fi at kind of the height of you know really kind of you know 1998 the getting to like the boom years of cd the cd generation wasn't it? do you know what i mean like the the, the biggest th- yeah. sales ever and a lot I of think ways, 2001 was the actual boom year but yeah we'll get yeah there. so there. i mean you, you you're talking about a time where mu- music had never been but people talk about the excess of the 80s but the excess of the you know the, the 80s kind of came back bigger and better than ever in the late 90s you know, uh, in the of, music industry yes in the, yeah in the music yeah. industry um and when you think of what was popular at that point you know really popular i'm talking about britney spears and stuff like that yeah like for most things this sort of the shinier the better and even metal bands were becoming super shiny indie bands like spending so much money this is where you know you eventually get to linkin park yeah yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean well the previous year we'd had be here now by yeah. oasis we yeah had... which is you know a slathering like overblown load of old bump mm. um we had urban hymns by the verve which i actually really like yeah, but, but but it is quite a bloated yeah and i would even say in terms of I mean, it's not. This is not a criticism of it at all. But OK Computer has mm. like a huge tapestry of sound. Definitely, you know. Um, and uh, you know, and then even when you go to when you go to America and you're thinking, this would be Corn on Follow the Leader, or this would be, you know, um, Offspring on Americana. You know, these are the albums that were selling a lot of records over in in America at that point. Like it was. It was, you know, full blown excess was sort of back. Was yeah. it Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is my truth. Tell me yours by the Manics over here. Um, Celebrity Skin by Hole. Oh yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. It was, you, everything was like r- amped up to as bright and as shiny and as nice as it could possibly be. There yeah. weren't many people going. Let's make it a little bit more lo-fi. Let's make it a bit more dirty. And, you know, apart from unless they were deep, deep, deep underground. But as I say, right at the beginning, Neutral Milk Hotel were relatively underground. Mm. So, But as I said, right at the beginning of this, I think that's why this record sounds timeless in a lot of ways. I mean, you listen to this. If someone had told me it had been written and recorded in the 60s, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. I don't think. No. If someone I, had said it was recorded yesterday, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. No. I think it becomes more... I mean, certainly, I, I didn't hear it in the mid-noughties, but I think certainly that became 
something. I, I, it, at the time when you think of 1998, you could just never imagine there would be a time where lo-fi music sounded commercially viable. No, absolutely not. And then you go to kind of, I guess it's probably four or five years after this, the Strokes and the White Stripes, particularly yeah. the White Stripes, and then you get <clears throat> that whole boom of bands kind of aping back to, you know, New York in the late 70s. Yeah, this whole garage rock thing. Yeah, and I think... Which I think this is quite far away from. But, very, but, very far away but, from it. But yeah, the, in terms I understand of the, what you're saying. this kind of thinner production <clears throat> and, you know, everything being a bit more wiry. Um, and people just want, and, you know, the white stripes aren't even wiry, are they? They actually sounded quite full, but they are very, you know, white blood cells was recorded in like three days or something. Yeah. I'd say the, I, I'd say the self-titled debut is quite wiry, but, mm. but yes, overall. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think another thing which might have added to the uh, mm, uh, myth mythos of this album is the fact that um, Mutual Milk Hotel and Jeff uh, Mangum in particular kind of just disappeared a few years after the album was released. Mm. And it was a time, it was probably the last time actually, that people could actually do that because social media was not really a thing. So this would have been around sort of 2003, 2004, something like that. Um, But he just appeared to disappear off the face of the earth. And I think because of the oddness of these lyrics, try not to say esoteric again, um, Mm -hmm. I think that made people maybe look into the songs maybe more than they needed to or or, or, or... find meanings in them that maybe weren't it's 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 like um uh i think there's big nirvana comparisons i, I see a lot of in utero in this record actually <laughs> especially lyrically um and people sort of looking back and being very defiant in that um all apologies is kurt cobain apologizing for his for him you know commit about to commit suicide and all this yeah. sort of thing i think I can't, I don't think it is that. No, no. Um, so I think there was a lot of like retrospectively putting meaning onto the songs that was probably not there. But then, you know, there's also an argument to be made that the meaning to music is whatever is in the uh, ear of the beholder. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, I have to say, I don't really go in on any of that stuff and actually by the time that i got into neutral milk hotel because i didn't get into this record until probably probably when they initially reformed actually um so i didn't really buy into any of that and i wasn't particularly interested in it but i think that has certainly helped its um mythos spread in the likes of your pitchforks and your Mm. you know 405 or whatever that, Mm. that kind of well and those are the websites of Rolling Stone, those are the websites which which laud this album and say that it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's 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 cool to have uh, a mythology behind any record, really, whether <laughs> I enjoy it or not. And I think you know this is this is a definitely an accomplished record. I think maybe it's just without any of that context, I've always just been a bit like, eh, mm. yeah. I mean, like I say, I don't dislike it. I just get very very little from it mm, mm. any you know 
in terms of actually wanting to listen to it, mm. I don't ever want to listen to it really. Not like, oh, I never want to listen to it, but I never find myself going, oh, I should listen to Neutral Milk. I just, I just don't. Mm. I listen to this record on a fairly regular basis, actually. Mm. I really well, love it. Well, you know, it. I, I know it is, I know people love it. I think that's kind of one of the, the things where you go, oh, I know why people love it so much. Like, I want to know why people like really, really love it. This is a very common train of thought, though, isn't it? As I said, some people adore this record and some people... I've, I don't even encounter people who hate it. I just people encounter people who just don't get it. I think I'll be sort of summing up here, but I, I think the reasons that I love it is because because of Mangum's um, approach, um, especially lyrically, and the fact that it doesn't quite sound like anything else. Mm. Um you can hear several bands taking influence from it, but the breadth of the instrumentation and that sheer fairy tale like childlike, I guess, quality to the lyrics, but with a bit of a dark undertone as well, painting these really vivid, odd, poetical pictures um, that uh, there aren't many people who do it like mangum i don't think um it still feels he feels like a very unique lyricist to me um maybe i would put aaron vice in there from me without you i think i think aaron vice does a very good impression of mangum sometimes mm. um but that's about it I, I i i can't think of someone who like mixes those fairy tale mysticism magic realist elements all into one thing you know the king of carrot flowers i mean what the fuck is that it's ridiculous yeah. but then when when mangum sings it, it doesn't Wayne sound Coyle ridiculous flaming lips oh yeah yeah no fair fair that was staring me in the face wasn't it yeah yeah mm. um, i mean because i was gonna say to you and i guess i've just sort of named one of them really but do neutral milk hotel have any peers from that time because this is the thing about it is I, when i listen to it and i go who would you have played with like the flame, yeah the flame lips a bit i guess well they were part of a collective so neutral milk hotel formed from a collective of musicians uh based in ruston louisiana known as elephant six mm. um and it included the likes of and i'm now going to name two bands who i've never heard of uh olivia tremor control and apples in stereo you're familiar with those right. bands, right no. um <laughs> Right. I get the sense and the feeling that this collective was a very self-contained unit, but one that kind of um, made itself operate very, very well. So I know a lot of the instrument, the odd instrumentation that is on this record appeared on other records in that collective as well, because they were just all like lending each other those instruments and stuff like that. But I think they created a community mm. for themselves, probably around where they lived which probably didn't spread out that far and that's going to be one of the reasons why because if you think about it in 1998 the internet was still very much in its infancy yeah i mean i we i didn't get on the internet um, our family didn't get onto the internet until i was 16 so that would have been 2001 um and you know it was back then it was dial-up modems and all this kind of thing Do you know what year my mum got the internet what year <laughs> 2013 <laughs> <laughs> and then got rid of it like straight after i moved out had it for a year i'm sure the internet had a lot to do with this album second wind you yeah. know um because 
it seemed to it seemed to become really it seemed to become a cult classic when the internet started being a uh, in there's most a, people's homes there's probably a few of them i mean like shape of punk to come yeah you imagine probably had a similar sort of thing absolutely yeah. yeah yeah um yeah interesting but i mean in terms of so in terms of peers in terms of peers you could actually point out and go oh yeah they were sort of of a similar i mean i guess there isn't really any flaming lips i will give you i think i think that's fair enough mm-hmm. um i mean i said elliot smith but you know, there's plenty of other people who were more. Yeah. Mm, nah. Yeah. I see what you're saying, but I don't think it's no. enough to say peer. And I, I, I assume and guess the other bands in the Elephant Six Collective, not that I've heard them. Yeah. Um, but um, I think, yeah, I, I get the impression that it was a very self-contained unit, which sort of served itself. But I don't think, I mean, Jeff Mangum stepped away from the spotlight after Neutral <laughs> Neutral Milk Hotel never became a massive, massive success. This is by far their most popular album and it sold 300,000 copies. We're not yeah. talking Nevermind here. No. Um, and, you know, part of the reason he went out of the public spotlight is because he hated being in, in the public spotlight. And, and, like, it's not like they were massive, you know? So he clearly really didn't like that sense of fame or um anything you know he clearly was a character who did not want to be uh thrust i was gonna say thrust on a stage i mean he 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 didn't want to be famous i don't think mm. i think that is the reason why he chose not to um make any kind of public announcements whatsoever whilst neutral milk hotel were away yeah and you know since they've come back they've you know they've not done a new album um no one expects a new album from neutral milk hotel um they just sort of come by play most of this record and then a couple from the first one which is nowhere near the standard of this i have to say it's good in places but it's not this um and that's it and just do sort of the reunion thing which is fine that's mm. totally fine. I'd much rather they did that than... What sort of venue would they play if they came to London? Oh, man. I, do you know, I have no idea, actually. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I guess. Because 300,000 records sold one record for a band from the 90s who were a kind of cult band. I mean, it makes me think... Like, It feels like quite recognisable artwork and you know, I feel like people are aware of this record more than... Uh, in the same way as, like I say, refused. I feel like that came back and everyone went, oh my God, we're going to get a chance to see it. We never got to see it. And then they I, continued and it sort of would fall off a bit. So I'm not sure. I, think I don't it, know. In terms of popularity, I sort of see them on a similar scale to say a band like Sunnydale Real Estate or something like that. When Sunnydale Real Estate came back, they did the forum. So I'm going to say the forum. Although I have just typed in Neutral Milk Hotel London into setlist fm and i'm going to see what it comes up with the forum mm. uh yeah there we go um august 15th 2014 was the last time they were here they did the roundhouse as well oh two two dates at the roundhouse three dates at the roundhouse when they initially came back holy shit i mean yeah i mean that would probably have been a big deal yeah 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 i'm mm. sure um although you know back when this album was released they did the underworld <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. The garage. 
the uh, the the beauty of a slow burning, slow building, um, genuine sleeper hit stroke classic with a proper mythology behind it. Yeah. Wonder for if those... we'll ever get them again. It feels like it'd be difficult for that to happen these days. Yeah, I think it would. Um, yeah. Just very quickly to go back for those outside of London. <clears throat> Underworld's about 400 cap mm. and Roundhouse is about 3,000. So yeah. you've gone from 400 tickets to 9,000 overnight. Yeah. Not overnight, <laughs> over, 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 over a decade. decade. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, yeah. It's um, pretty astonishing. Well, there you go. Anyway, it's a record which I knew you loved. Um, I I do. I, I, I would definitely say everyone listening to this, if you have not heard this album, definitely check it out. You may... I'd say that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You may see no merit in it. I don't think anyone will see no merit in it. No, it's not about no merit. It's just about how you actually, like the amount of enjoyment you get from it. Yes, yeah. It's not something which has ever really stuck with me. That's it. I think what I would say though is if you're, if you like this record, you're probably going to love it because because there isn't really anything else quite like it. Mm. There are bands that have taken elements of it, but nothing that has put the whole thing together. Of the closest album I can think is Sgt. Pepper. Oh. I know you don't agree with that as much, but I, I think this is very Sgt. Pepper-esque. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, anyway, that was Neutral Milk Hotels in the Aeroplane Over the Sea. Thanks, Miles, for your contribution. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be back with another one of these really soon, I hope really soon yeah hopefully. very soon yeah. and um thanks for you know giving us a little bit of your change <laughs> um if you've listened to this over our patreon page uh if you haven't well mate what what do you want what do you want me to say you know, you, know, you know what i'm going to say anyway we'll see you very very soon <laughs>